it was my freshman year finals week. And there's like five days in between my last two finals, somehow. So I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna smoke weed and make music for three days straight. Hello and welcome to another episode of Tots. I'm your host, Ben Gardner. Today on the show, we have William Bolton. He's a musical artist, producer, and composer. William, welcome to the show. What's up, Ben? How you doing, man? Pretty good. Thank you so much for coming out. I really, uh, really appreciate having you on the show. Now, for those of you who don't know, I have actually been listening to William for probably a good three years. One of my favorite artists in the world. So this is very special for me to have him on. So uh, why don't you start um, by uh, trying to describe your music um, as if like I had never heard it or someone's never heard it. What would you say is like, you know, your genre? Sure. Uh, It's funny you ask that because my genre is actually the name of my new album, uh, Electric Soul. So I've, I've been calling my music Electric Soul for a while, but I just made an album with the title. But basically, it's a combination of organic and electronic elements, is, you know, as far as the actual instrumentation. But it's, it's inspired by so many different things from old vintage stuff to very modern, uh, even futuristic sounds. So I think it's, it's, it's a combination of, like I said, electric and soul. It has... Motown, where I'm from, and then it also has Pharrell and Kanye and Lana Del Rey. And, you know, I mean, I'll get into my influences later, but yeah, it's 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 a it's a pop sound that has like a nostalgic and futuristic sound to it. Yeah, and and when did you like first start with music, and and how did you identify that that kind of uh, this was the kind of music that you wanted to make that electric soul? Sure. Uh, I started playing guitar when I was 10. I had piano lessons when I was younger, but my mom forced me to go to a guitar lesson and it was just, I didn't want to go. And I went in and I've told the story on a couple of podcasts. Basically it was this rocker dude with long hair and a really sick electric guitar. And I had an acoustic one and he starts shredding on his electric guitar. And I was like, yo, man, can I play yours? Can I try yours? And then that was it, you know, I was sold. And I just became obsessed with electric guitars. And, and it was just something that was part of my life you know, like since I was young and I just always loved it. I always imagined myself with those electric guitars, like playing on big stages, you know, I'd listen to songs and imagine a lot of the, you know, and then it's like, I can't even, it's, I'm so grateful uh, and blessed to have been able to actually do that on tour, you know, and like now I'm all over the world with Europe and America and I can't wait to get back on the road, but just even thinking about that, it's crazy. But yeah, even from a young age, I always, I always wanted to play it for other people. You know, I always wanted to like, perform and uh so you know playing guitar was really big and then my brother left behind some recording equipment when i was like 14 15 and because he went to college didn't take it so i learned how to use the equipment and then i just started like making beats writing songs and like passing out cds to my friends at high school and as i got to college uh at boston college where the passion grew and i realized that this is what i really really love to do and it's like what I want to, I want to spend the rest of my life doing this. I had that realization pretty early and, you know, like in the beginning of college and something that I always knew deep down, but it's a decision to do it. You know, I came home from college. I told my parents, I was like, I'm going to be an artist and that's what I'm going to do. And they were like, all right, well, you know, it was kind of, they were kind of just like proving to us, you know what I mean? And uh, in a way, like almost with, with them, just, they were always supportive, but it's kind of like, there was a lot to prove to a lot to everyone and to myself mostly. 
So yeah, man, since then I've, it's, uh, it's been a really wild ride. I've lived in New York and LA and I've been able to tour throughout America and, and Europe and got like fans like you that listen to my music. There's 50 million streams, you know, and it's like to say all this is, uh, just almost me reflecting because I don't always do that. But like I said, very, very grateful. But then also it's like that. I'm really, really proud of that. But at the same time, I'm always like reaching up. Like I always want to be, get my music heard by more people and have make better songs and be able to push it even further. So I almost spend too much time on that. But uh, yeah, so I mean, that's kind of the musical background story. And the sound itself is just, it's a combination really of my influences so and what so you talked a little bit about some of the artists that um have influenced you go a little bit deeper into that like so which artists do you try and emulate and um why did you pick those artists in particular to to you know try and model some of your music after sick i love that question yeah because usually it's just well who are your influences and then that's like it so yeah so let me yeah i'll get i'll kind of dig into the depth of of the sound and i think a good place to start it is probably the beginning so high school and as a guitarist i liked classic rock and then my brother would drive me to school we listened to radiohead and we listened to kid cuddy and those were two you know new bands for me and then ratatat was another one like there's just like a few artists my brother would be playing in the car and then i got like obsessed with and really loved you know, like I said, Kid Cudi, he was just relating to me, you know, not only was the music so great, but I was just relating so heavily to the lyrics. And, you know, I, when I, I got into trouble in high school and I could relate to that because I was listening to like a Kid Cudi song. He's telling me how he used to get in trouble. And so I think lyrically, I just connected with him so much. And then Radiohead, I connected on such a sonic level. It was just things I'd never heard before. And, and I just love how they're taking so many chances and like, it took a while to even appreciate the music because it was like very complex. So then as I got into high school, I actually was introduced to, it's funny because I'm from Detroit. I've heard all the amazing soul music that came out of Motown, which was like, for anyone who doesn't know, it's you should because it's like a massively successful soul and pop um, label that still exists today, but was founded in, in Detroit, Michigan by Barry Gordy and has a lot of, maybe one of the best selling labels of all time, you know? And uh, anyways, it's, it was just, it was this music. So Motown, this guy started in Detroit and it was the soul music in the sixties and seventies that like brought people together in such crazy ways and became the, actually like for, for a certain number of years, like one of the stand, like one of the top genres of music in the world, like their songs were Marvin Gaye and the Supremes and Stevie Wonder and, and all these amazing artists, the Temptations, like we're getting number one records out of Detroit, you know, out of like a, a garage studio. And, and it was just this soulful music that, that told such a good story and it had such a good beat. And it's just so upbeat and so hopeful. And uh, it's just wholesome music, man. So Motown, so I, I discovered Motown music and I'm like, I'm from here, I'm from Detroit. And so that that really, really kind of set it off for me in terms of like, falling in love with, with a, um, a, a specific music. And Mayor Hawthorne is a modern artist who's crazy, crazy, because I was listening to him in high school and I really liked how he was doing soul music. He was kind of doing a rebirth of it. And it's funny because he was like one of my favorite artists in high school. And then now like I see him at parties, I was like, so I said hi to him at Coachella. Like I've opened for him. <laughs> but 
like I play a show with them, you know? And yeah, that's crazy. So, uh, and that's like some of those cool things that happen, like as you pursue the dream, like, you know, like all these crazy, like his manager had me out to LA to meet with him. Like when I was meeting with managers, like at, at first, and it was just lots of cool stuff. And, and you know, it's like, and uh, Mayor Hawthorne's keys player also happens to be this amazing producer, Swish, who I, I've done a few records with. And I met him because of Mayor. Like, like, you know, so it's like, he and he produced Mesmerize, which is like my biggest song. So like uh, Sam Wish and, and Stevie from Onda. So it's like the ways that things kind of connect, and this is kind of getting off topic, but the ways that things happen and connect are so interesting. Like when you really focus on goal and, and and you just don't stop it's funny it's kind of like it makes sense i was listening to mayor hawthorne and was definitely inspired by him early on then i ended up meeting with his manager and meeting him and playing a show with him and meeting his keyboard player who also made my biggest one of my biggest songs so far so it's like it all is it all is a sequence of events uh it just comes with forward motion i think but i got off topic there so no, you're good. Go, you know, go as far off topic as you want. Yeah. I like, I like what you said about that. And, um, you know, I think there's also, especially in music or in any of these, you know, I guess recorded arts, um, you know, where you're from has such a big impact on sure. what you want to do, who you're interacting with and stuff like that. Um, you know, and so you being from Detroit, you know, obviously, and, and being in that area and that influencing you, um, you know, but you've also moved around a lot for music. So what other places have you lived and, and how did those places inspire and influence the music that you make now? Sure. So, yeah, I think that's, that's one of the biggest blessings is to be able to live in so many places and, and visit so many places because of music. Uh, so basically I, yeah, I grew up in Detroit. I went to high school uh, in Royal Oak and then I went to college in Boston and I actually still love music, but at the time I hadn't chosen it as a career yet. It wasn't until I got to Boston that I decided, uh, cause I went to school for business and philosophy and it was actually so convenient in such, you know, it was like fate that I lived in Boston because at Boston college, I met a good friend of mine, Sean Lameda, who introduced me to my mentor, Ryan Leslie, who's an amazing producer and now artist and now tech mogul. And so he was in New York. And so I interned in New York for the summer, right? Cause I was at Boston college and I interned in New York and all of a sudden I'm meeting all these people in New York and that's where I get my first agent. That's where I get my first manager. And within being in New York for like a year on and off because I went there for the summer, but then I would go there like every weekend just to meet people for any a show, anything. Uh, I ended up like, yeah, like meeting with Atlantic Records, like within a year of just being there, like and releasing music and circulating my name and my, my music throughout the industry. So it was like such a blessing that it was only four hours away because I was, like I said, it would, every weekend I, would, I wouldn't necessarily be partying on Friday night. And if I was, I was throwing a wine mixer <laughs> at my college apartment <laughs> and performing and then getting up five hours later and going to New York on a bus to catch some show or to meet with someone or anything. So, um, yeah, so then, so New York became a really important city for me because the music industry was there. And then once I graduated college, I actually pretty much right away, well, I moved out to LA for like a month 
And then I was in an Airbnb and then actually I, I was, I got the opportunity to go on tour with Hoodie Allen. Um, shout out Hoodie Allen is a good friend of mine and artist I've produced for and toured with. I produced a song for him. Uh, and then I got the opportunity to go on tour in Europe. So now all of a sudden I'm like, all right, we're leaving LA. We're going to Paris and <laughs> you know, now we're in Paris with my, you know, my drummer, uh, you know, and my, my best friends Gibson and Vicky were on out. Now we're out there in Europe. And then it was, it was that for a couple months. And then it was, then it was back to LA. And, um, since then I've been in LA and it's funny because I've moved around so many different Airbnbs. I just finally now have had a lease in the past year, but yeah, man. So LA has kind of been the, the main destination and where I've lived, but just because the music is being made there, the music and the music videos and the, most of the creative work I've found is all being made there. It's just like the Mecca. It's just kind of like if you work in um, like finance, like on wall street type stuff, it's, it's a good idea to maybe live in New York. Like, you know, it's like the same, same concepts, just like, like all the creators are just like living in LA and in Hollywood. And um, so, yeah, so that's why I've lived there. And it's, it's been an amazing place to just like meet so many amazing artists, producers, writers, and people who are like better than me at like writing or producing, meeting people that are like, do, do things that I could never even do on a beat or write a, like help me write a song I never would have written by myself. And uh, it's funny because like you think with everyone being there, it would be so super competitive and it can be, but I would say the word I use for it is collaborative. It's like, everyone's there. So it's like, yo, we're all good at what we do. So it's like, let's all like work together and like make dope stuff together and then win together in an art sense and in the business sense. Um, so yeah, LA has been, it's, it's been a, it has its, it has its ups and downs, but which, you know, I'm actually talking about in my next album, which I, it's the title hasn't come out yet, but I'm talking about my next album is kind of like the, the, and we'll get into that later, but I'm talking about like the, the downsides of LA. But uh, anyways, man, yeah. So those are the destinations, Boston first, then New York, then Europe, then LA. Yeah. And you talk a lot about these destinations also in your music. And um, it, it just feels at least for someone that's been kind of following your career, it seems like the style changes a little bit and it's, you know, I think when we talk about music, some people see it as something that's static or like styling, like that's something static. Like if I pick up this album from this person, I know what I'm getting. Yeah. But I think that all the best artists are more fluid and they're trying to, you know, let their life experience and their influences actually, you know, have a say in how their music comes out and what they're talking about and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's just... For me, too, um, on my side of things, it's like, you know, I was in I was in Maryland for a while and then I was in D.C. and now I'm back in Maryland. And so, you know, you constantly go through this this thought process when you're trying to accelerate your growth. And it's like, where's the best place for me to be? And like, you know, all this stuff gets in the way. Like you've got yeah. family, you've got relationships, friendships, all this shit gets in the way. Um, but I think, you know, there's also something to be said for you know, what, what you mentioned earlier, which is that if you want something bad enough and you're working hard enough for it, you're going to see some sort of success. And those connections that you begin to make are going to help you make other connections that are going to help you, you know, with different content and, and to move you forward. So I feel like it's, 
it's definitely place has a big influence on on what you're creating and things like that but i think also that motivation to be like this is something that i want and i'm going to identify my goal and i'm going to you know people say like speak it into the universe but but yeah. it's kind of like that you know like like you're like i want to be yeah, well, a big exactly. artist and and, and, yeah, and how that's and how that can be the difficulties of that too because yeah when i moved out to la like i didn't really have like a lot of money or anything and so I was like moving in and out of Airbnbs like every month I was changing and like because we didn't want to get a lease because we didn't know if we were going to go on tour again or all these things and, and all the challenges that being new in a city and only knowing like a, a few people when I got there right and then yeah so it's like I, yeah it's funny because yeah like the, that willpower to do stuff is comes with decisions you have to decide where you're going to live and then you have to figure out how to make that work because a lot of people I think maybe have a fear that, uh, of, you know, I have had this fear too, is like taking chances, like moving out to a new city, trying a new career, you know, giving, giving up um, a path that looks like it could be work out pretty well. It could be a safe bet for something that's not. And, and uh, you know, like everyone has their choices to make, you know, but I really respect everyone. I have so much respect for everyone that chooses to do something off the beaten path because like I know what it takes because I've done that as well and so when I see people become successful doing something that they love it just inspires me so much because it's like it takes it, it's you know there's there's a reason that these people are successful and it's it's a true passion and it's a lot of hours almost always yeah I think that's you know that's for anything like like you know I'm going to coin the term recorded arts like you know, what we're doing here right now with a podcast or making music, it's, you know, people see the end result and whether it's a song that's, you know, two minutes and 30 seconds or it's a podcast that's an hour, people, you know, they see that end result. And I think a lot of times don't look at like what went into that. Like people wouldn't be listening to your music if you didn't make the choice to actually pursue that and to put in all of the hours because as you know people in this industry know to make anything like this it doesn't matter the length of it at the end of it it takes hours and hours and hours to get right and you want to tweak this and that you want yeah. to make sure everything's so perfect and you know i think it's a big step in terms of responsibility but also like passion you have to decide for yourself yes i could take the safe path and i could make more money you know to start or i could risk things a little bit um when for you was that decision and and how did you make that you talked a little bit about talking to your parents about that but but at what age and then how did that like manifest itself what was like the first thing that you did once you made that decision yeah uh so i'll, I'll go to like a kind of funny story here so now we kind of get to the artist side of, of being an artist and doing artist things and whatever uh so basically it was my freshman year finals week and there's like five days in between my last two finals, somehow. So I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna smoke weed and make music for three days straight. And that's something that I, you know, that's something that I started to do like in high school to, to smoke and make music. And I still smoke and make music. Uh, it's just been it's just been part of my creative process for a long time. Not that I always do, but I, I do. And so I, I, you know, I smoke for three days, just drinking coffee, and making music, and basically during that time, it was like, I almost had this out of body experience because I finally like wasn't going to class and cause I'd just been at college for a year and all this 
so much information, you know, hitting you as a freshman, like, who am I? What am I doing? Am I joining college? Like, am I enjoying partying, all this stuff? And then for three days, I shut down because everyone else was studying. And I had like this empty campus to myself. And at the end of those three days, I was like, man, this is like the happiest I've been all year. You know, I just was like so unbelievably happy to, to just make music and all day. And like, that was what I was doing. And, you know, I was high and I was like, <laughs> but like, as goofy as it might be, it's like, that's like one of the most real, real feelings I ever had. And that was the turn. That was like a turning point. I remember. And after those three days, it wasn't just like some binger, you know what I mean? It's like, after those three days, I decided I'm doing music and I'm going to be an artist and that's what I'm gonna do for my career. And I'm going to be a star and I'm going to, all these things I started saying, I decided, it's like, this is what I'm going to do. And yeah, my parents pulled up to pick me up. And I, like I said, I told them I was 18 years old when this happened. And, um, I, I feel lucky that I was able to realize that early. And yeah, so the first steps were, here's what it was. So there was the summer of my, after my freshman year, I had an internship in marketing, right? Cause that was my degree. So I had this little marketing internship that I was working nine to five and I was enjoying it in some sense of like getting to know like, okay, this is what the business is. But quickly I realized, and I like the people, but quickly I realized like, oh man, like this is not, this is not where I can see myself more, you know, like ever. So what I started doing is six to two at six p.m. to two a.m. every night. I would come home from work. I wouldn't even take off my shirt and tie, and I would start making music, and I would make beats six to two a.m. And like you know, I'd always made music, and I'd always been passionate, and I'd always been to an extent like hardworking in terms of like getting projects done. But it was like the first time that I just that was like I was so focused. I said, and it was every day. I was making that music, and then. In that summer, I made four songs that became this EP, and one of those songs was called Passion. And that song was like the so. Then I came back to school my sophomore year. I'm like, okay, now I have this project, and I put out this song. And then all of a sudden, it was like people started reacting to it. My first, it was my family at the end of the summer. They were like, my cousins were like, yo, this is awesome. Let's put this on like a bunch. And then it was like blogs that were picking it up. And then it was you know and excuse me so basically it was like that summer and the decision turned into a summer which turned into a song that reacted and from then on it's been it's been the continuing thing like this it's just one step after the other and every step of my career is, is like the exact same thing it's like a summation of an experience and a song and hours you know it's just like it's one after the other but that was like the first that was the first one it's not like i never made a song i was making songs throughout high school but that was the song that was representative of those hours and um everyone works on different timelines you know like some people's first song they release is a hit and god bless them um i've got i've released a lot of music and like i said there's 50 million streams but i don't have a hit record or anything yet so I'm working towards that and I'm okay if it's like my hundredth song, like, you know what I mean? Uh, because I'm still proud of everything that I've done. And I, I, I'm, here's the thing. Like I care about the art and I care about the process so much so that when that hit record comes, like I'm not 
especially worried about it. Like I do have marketing strategies and I am working with my managers and a team to like do my best to market, you know, to get my music out there. But at the same time, you don't always decide these things, you know, and that's, I think in a lot of businesses, like you don't know when you're going to have, when you're going to sell a business or when you're going to hit it big on your app or your podcast or your clothing line or your song. And I think the most important thing is just to continue being creative in your approach. I think it's very important to evolve and to grow because that's what life is. If you're not growing and moving, you're dying. And the other part is just keep going. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I think that makes so much sense too. And it's like, you know, you talk about that passion. Um, and we talked about that a bit earlier too. If you think that you like something enough to dedicate your life to it at 18 years old, and you're just like, you know, it's not just cause you're high. It's not just cause you're tired of college. Yeah. It's cause you're like, like, damn, like I, I want to pursue this and I, I think I can do it. I think that that is, is the case for a lot of people when they first start out, but to keep that momentum to keep that passion, I think is so tough. Um, and I think especially in a college environment, you know, like I just graduated in May. Um, and obviously I started this podcast while I was still in college, but whenever I would work on stuff in that college environment, it was just never like creative enough. Like I felt like I needed kind of like you did to get out of that headspace of like, okay, go to class and study and I have finals and like all this stuff. I have meetings. I need to meet with this advisor and that advisor. And I think a lot of kids get caught in this college trap of like, okay, it's not necessarily what I want to do, but like I need to be here, which is fine. Like that, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to crap on people who want to go to college but if you also want to do something different like you did and like I did, it can be such a drain on the creativity because you're constantly focusing all your energy on stuff that you don't really care about in comparison to what you're passionate about. And I think, you know, I, a lot of this podcast has happened over quarantine and me not having school. And it's just for me, it's been like exponentially better. Like I'm much more creative. I'm thinking of better ways to get things done. So for you, you're 18 years old, you're a freshman. Talk to me about your next steps in music. And then when you eventually left college, how did things change for you? And how did your music adapt to that change? Yeah, man, that's a great question. Uh, so yeah, basically I got back to college and then it was like go time via college, which is like, I, I totally understand you with like your energy being pulled in different places. But I mean, I went all, I just, I made a decision and I went all in and like my grades suffered. I didn't show up to class. I didn't do readings. And by the time I graduated, I had like two D pluses on my report card. Like I didn't even know how I was going to make it, you know? Cause like we had left <laughs> my drummer, Vicky sticks and I had, had gone on tour and then like, didn't tell my teacher about it or something. And then like, it was like, he got really mad and had made us take an extra final and it was really rough. And, I almost, like I said, like I, I took risks as like almost not even graduating, but to kind of go to the, the rest of the college experience was it changed. Like my friends changed and I realized that some of my friends weren't really my friends and that we didn't even have anything in common. And, you know, I think Will Smith said something really cool. He's like, look at your five last texts. And it's like, are those people, um, 
are they stoking your fire and, and helping you build your fire or are they pissing on it? And it's like who you have around you. So it's funny that like when you focus that the people around you start to rearrange because yeah, there was party friends and, 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 and friends that just like, like I said, like maybe weren't good friends and, I, and they kind of just fell off my, you know, my horizon because I had new things to do. And also being at Boston college was a little bit tough in terms of, the crowd there it was it was super preppy, very East Coast, very like do things one way and not much creativity, and uh, and so I was kind of ostracized in a way because like kids would make fun of the fact that I made music. Like, kids would talk trash behind me, behind my back, and I it would get back to me, and it never really bothered me because I wasn't part of their culture. You know what I mean? I wasn't like wearing like they're all wearing the same clothes and like wearing vineyard vines and salmon shorts and polos and like there's nothing wrong with that but like oh thank god (laughs) what that's listen you know being an east coast guy that's my everyday wear man i'm just kidding (laughs) oh it's all right dude it's like do you and i like i i support all people's like style and whatever but what i didn't like about it was that they had a certain um almost like resentment for me because I didn't subscribe to that culture. You were different, right? I was, like, I was wearing, I was wearing camel pants and floral shirts. And like, everyone was like, Oh yeah, he must be the kid like from California or something. And I was like, I took that as a compliment because I was like, I'm moving out to LA anyways. And like, I'm an artist and I'm from Detroit, but like, guess what? I'm that Detroit kid in my mind. I'm like, I'm the Detroit kid wearing the camel pants and making music. And it's so funny because all the kids that, that doubted me in school started apologizing to me my senior year when I booked Firefly, which was a festival that they all went to, you know? So like all the, it's, it's funny because like freshman year, sophomore year is like, no one's taking me seriously, girls, guys, whatever. And senior year I announced, Hey, I'm playing Firefly music festival. And everyone was like, Oh my, like they couldn't deny it anymore. It's so, you know, because it's, it's, I think there's this natural Cain and Abel mentality in people that, I don't know if you know that Bible story, but basically I think there's a cannibal mentality when like people around you that are from similar like uh, area or like, let's say you're all in Boston college. Like if you start to see someone around, like it's in an equal, a peer of yours start to do really well in something that's different. Like they don't like it. Like something that it's like, there's a certain insecurity, some, not every person, but this, this is something I experienced was kids that were like insecure about themselves. So they hated on me. They're like, I'm like, why are you, why do you hate the fact that I'm making, and even the musician community turned on me. Even the musician community wouldn't let me play in the battle of the bands. And why? I'm like, because I wasn't a band because it was just me and a DJ and that's not a band. But what it really was, was a, another musician who didn't like the fact that my music was getting plays and no, no one else is on campus yet, maybe that I knew of, of in that community was having, starting to have success. It was like, I don't expect them to have success and I don't look on them like they're not worth, like I'm worth the same as them. It's not a matter of me thinking I'm better than them, but it was just like me doing my thing. And I felt like they didn't even want to associate with me. And they were ostracizing me because I was the one person from the group that was in the music guild that was succeeding. Actually you know? doing something with yeah, their career. It's almost like some of, it's like that kid who, who do the battle bands almost might have hated me more, you know, than the kids doing the bigger minds. It's, I think what it is too is like you're talking about LA and how collaborative it is instead of just being competitive 
And I think that in my experience, when I reach out to somebody and I'm like, I want to do a collab with you, if that person is like worth their salt and actually putting out good content, they're going to have a conversation with me. If they're worried that I'm doing better than them, they're not because it's, it's like that insecurity. So it's not you thinking or saying or feeling I am better than these other people because I'm being more successful at the same point in time and at the same place or whatever. It's them actually creating that narrative in their heads and saying, he is doing better than me. He probably thinks that he's better than me, all this stuff. And I mean, to me, it reminds me of that post Malone. Yeah. It reminds me of post Malone in, um, enemies where he goes, uh, you know, where did y'all go when I was shit broke? I couldn't even buy smokes. Now your mama wants tickets to my stadium show. All these kids are apologizing to you because they're like, holy crap, this festival that I'm paying money to go see, he actually got booked and I'm now paying to go see in an extension of the the concert or the festival, yeah. this person that I've been making fun of. That's crazy. It's nuts, bro. And here's the, fun, here's the most ironic part is like, I wasn't thinking about them at all when I was when I was doing my thing. <laughs> like I you you weren't even on my mind, dude. And like so how could I hate it? Like you're like I don't have time. I don't have time to worry about I'm better than I don't have time for that, dude. I got songs to write. You're working too hard. That's right. That's right. Cuz when like you focus on yourself, you're going to do better. Yeah, bro. And that's 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 the ironic part about it, I think. That's like the, that's the funniest part about it to me. But um hey man, you know like I think we all uh, fall victim to jealousy and envy. I think it's, like I said, very naturally human. I'm guilty of it as well, you know? And in some instances, I'm not gonna sit here and act like I'm a saint, uh, but I made a conscious effort to be inspired by those that do better than me, because really it's just a proof of concept. Like when someone does really well, I'm, I, I'm happy for them. And you know, like, so I think whenever I catch myself, feel you know i can catch myself feeling envious and it's like i know it's not good so i, I just kind of revert back to like you know what good for them like there's no one like most people's success doesn't have anything to do with yours like i mean you know you know there's like six how many how many billion people are in the world like six billion or something like six to eight yeah so like one musician's success what what does that have in the grand scheme of things? If there's eight billion people that have the opportunity to listen to your music, and how many however many billion of them are on the internet, it's like there's no excuse for think, thinking that some other artist is gonna kill your sign. You know what I mean? It's like exactly so much room for success. It's it's ridiculous, and that's proved by the fact that there's like more successful artists than ever now. Yeah, you know, you listen to me, and like I don't have a record deal. I'm not on the radio. Yet I'm one of your favorite artists. Like that, that, that was not possible before the internet. Yeah, the internet I think gives such a voice to people that wouldn't normally be able to have that. Like you know, if you if you did do music and you did it in the you know air quote traditional way and you sign with someone and they're getting your stuff everywhere, like yeah, you might you might be seeing more success or you might be you know more on the radio and stuff like that. But I think doing it the non-traditional way also is like part of your brand. But I think you said something really important too, um, which was that successful people inspire you. And I think that that's such a, that's such a trend that like, unfortunately seems to be like losing steam. 
Like we have so many people, I think in this country who see someone that's more successful than them. And much like those kids that saw you at school that didn't want you to play in the battle of the bands, instead of taking you as like successful and being like, you know what, I'm going to be inspired because they're in the same boat I am, but they're doing something different and they're doing something that's making them more successful. Instead of taking that as a motivator and, and inspiration, a lot of people just hate on that person. And it, it's such a defeatist way of looking at things. And when you do that, you're actually, in my mind, you're signing yourself up to be less successful than that person. Because that person, like you said, they're not even thinking about you. They're focused on their own success. Yeah. yeah. No, man, I, I think I agree. And I think that that's, I mean, also, like, when you have a pandemic and, and everything that's going on this year, it's like, people have a lot of time to sit at home. Like, people who hate, like, if you have time to, to go online and say mean things about people, you probably have, like, too much time on your hands. And I think that's the case for a lot of people in America right now. And like, all across the world, it's like a pandemic, dude. So, like, everyone's sitting at home. Like, it's really easy to just, like, throw stones at celebrities on the internet. Like, you know, like, like they don't have skeletons of the, in their own closets you know what i mean so like i'm not excusing any particular celebrity whatever all i'm saying is like there's a huge cancel culture it's like oh like one celebrity is this political party one is this political party but the and then everyone just throws stones at it it's like that's maybe not the best example but i think that there's so much yeah like stone throwing and like the virtual mob i think is cancel culture is like it's pretty dangerous like that's why I've been off social media more just to like keep my head clear because I think people, you know, like a lot of people have lost hope. They don't have jobs. It's like people are dying and sick and like it's, there's, you know, there's racial issues. There's all types of stuff going on. So it's, people are just pent up, man. People are like have too much. Like, so it's funny that you say that. I think it's a result of, a pandemic and um you know uh the racial issues in this country and, and everything bubbling up because and all that stuff is also bubbling up right now because no one has anything else to do right so it's like all right great i can do this from home and i you know it's like pretty easy to just go on and tweet about something maybe a lot of people don't even know much about but they're just will just people just want to be part of something right now so um but yeah i mean that's i don't want to go too far into that but yeah, but it all, you know, it all files in. And I think, you know, we've had, um, we had comedian James Schrader on, um, and we talked a little bit about cancel culture um, in the comedy world because it's, you know, they walk a fine line because they're trying to make people laugh. And sometimes the way to do that is you're going to say something that no one else would ever say. And, mm -hmm. and that's kind of the, that's part of comedy is being able to break those barriers. And, um, you know, I think the danger now with, anything that we do like this, where I'm speaking and recording it for a podcast, you are writing lyrics and then you're recording them for your song or a comedian is performing and it's, you know, going to be a special somewhere on the internet or on TV, like that kind of stuff sticks with you. And so the cancel culture right now, I think, um, you know, th I, there are things that need to be canceled. I'm not, I'm not advocating against free speech. I'm just saying that like, there are certain things where it's more okay, but I think on the whole, what we're seeing with cancel culture is anything that someone doesn't agree with can just get canceled right away. And I think too, like we also need to think about, you know, we need to be good people. We need to try and say good things. We need to try not to upset other people just to be a, like a decent human being. I feel like that's, that's part of it. That's part of being in society is 
yeah, be, you know. And like, yeah. that's not to say, yeah, that's not to say like you can't say certain things. Like I'm a big advocate for free speech, but. Well, yeah, but like if you're smart, if you're a smart person, if you yes. think you're not going to, then you're not going to say crazy stuff in public or on Twitter or like disrupt people. You know what I mean? But I don't, at the same time, that doesn't mean that someone else who wants to shouldn't be able to, you know? Right. Exactly. So yeah, and it's just, yeah, like, and I it's people a mess. Have conversations. I think that's a big part of it is because like people think that they have so many differences and, and there definitely are, but I think that the more that you rationally just go through things and look at history and look at have conversations with people, even from people that you disagree with, I think there's a lot of ground that, that can be covered and, and a lot of meeting in the middle. I think it's, yeah, I think that's, that's probably my biggest issue that I have with kind of the cancel culture that we have now is because I disagree with people all the time, whether it's politically or, you know, with, with different social programs. Like I just, you know, I disagree with people. That's like a natural state of humanity is to have beliefs and to disagree with other people's beliefs. And that's part of what makes us so interesting and creative and able to put together these incredible yeah, we things. we all thought the same way, like, life would be really boring. There would be, like, not much. It'd be so about. boring. Exactly. But, like, the cancel culture says, if I disagree with you, the whole conversation is shut down. And I'm like, no, like, if you disagree with me, like, I want to know. Like, I want to have that conversation because if we don't have that conversation, we're not going to move forward. We're just going to stay exactly yeah. where we were. Exactly. So, yeah. I, and even if you, at the end of the conversation, are still disagreed, at least you, like, understand the point of view. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think giving like people, people have, a chance. Yeah, people don't just, like, have beliefs or opinions just arbitrarily, usually. There's usually, like, reasons behind the way people think things. And, like, if you kind of talk about those and get at them, I think there's, like I said, there's a lot of ground to be covered. And you realize that, wow, we're both human and we're both going to die one day. And uh, we both want to have good lives. You know, there's so many, there's so many like, like I said, there's so much common ground of being a human that I think uh, it's a shame that yeah, people don't, aren't open to a conversation. I agree. Okay, so we are going to take a quick break so we can hear a message from our sponsor. But when we come back, William and I are going to talk about what he would have said if someone at Boston College had actually asked him about his fashion. Our sponsor is Kick Cave. That's K-I-C-K-K-A-V-E underscore go give them a follow on Instagram and Twitter. Now listen, these guys, I went to high school with them. These are fantastic dudes. This is a black owned business. It's in Baltimore. And these are young entrepreneurs. They're out there grinding. They have the best sneakers that you will find anywhere around. Everything is 100% authentic. They only go through verified sources. They have great shoes for lower prices. Another reason why you need to go follow them right now is because they're doing a bunch of free raffles and giveaways. Two weeks ago, they were giving away a bunch of Supreme stuff. I mean, these guys have it all. Again, that's K-I-C-K-K-A-V-E underscore. Give them a follow. Go get some shoes from them and tell them Ben sent you over to Kick Cave and they'll take care of you. I promise. All right, let's get back into the episode. Now, let's put this into like an actual scenario. So we're back at Boston College. I know, don't get nightmares on me. PTSD. Yeah, we're back at Boston College. You're dressing in your your camo pants and your floral tops. 
what would you say to those people that used to make fun of you if one of them walked up to you and actually had a conversation and said, why do you wear the clothes that you wear and was trying to understand what yeah. your fashion style is like? How would you describe that to people? Wow, you know, you know, it would be so nice if someone did that at Boston College. You know, right? so nice. <laughs> but honestly, at the same time, in a way, it's almost like, you know what, maybe I was better for it because they still, they've always wondered, you know, like they still don't know. And it's like this mystery that eats at them. They're like, why did he do that? And like, you know, I, I've got called all types of crazy things. Like people have tried to assume my sexuality because of the, the clothes that I wear or the lyrics that I say. It's like people assume all types of crazy stuff. And I think it's better just to ask, you know? So, so if somebody asks, someone asked me to describe my, my fashion, my personal style, I'd say that it's been, it's been um, something that's, fashion has been something that's been important to me. I think my whole life, even as a, as a young kid, I remember taking a, a unique interest in cool things. Like I, I, I was like all of like, I was just always like, Oh, I love this t-shirt. Like I had outfits that I'll wear. And like, I would be excited to wear like a certain outfit to school, like as a third or fourth grader, you know, I was just like liked clothes. Like I had this yellow vest and I had this Hawaiian shirt. I remember like, I remember like even those outfits back then. And, uh, yeah, you know, most people will say this, but it's, I think it's a form of self-expression for sure. But I think even more than self-expression, it's, it was, it's, it's creating an identity, you know? And it's like, when I wear an outfit that's crazy, it's like, I've now become that person, you know? I'm wearing like all this crazy, like electric soul. I'm wearing this crazy purple-ish pink houndstooth suit you know, <laughs> that I got in, at this boutique in LA and it just fit. Per I wasn't planning on shopping that day. I just stumbled upon it like randomly, tried it on. I was like, oh my God. And then now I was like, oh, this is the album cover outfit. And it's like, I've, every time I wear something that's crazy, it's like, or just, or something, yeah, it doesn't have to be crazy, but it's something that's like, that I really like. I now become the William Bolton that wears that. And it's like almost created, it's, it's been creating an identity. Like I just really loved, I had a phase where I wore floral suits. I just really love floral suits. And not only is it just me expressing myself, but it's me, it's me creating an identity. It's me like being the artist and the person that I am, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's just, it's an inherent thing and an inherent, um, I'll even wear like my crazy outfits, like just at home by myself, like, you know, and that's when I realized that like, uh, like this isn't about like being seen. This isn't about other people like praising me and, and giving me compliments or hating it. Like it's, again, I wasn't even really thinking about any of that. I just like how I look in cool, in cool outfits. That's the simplest one liner. I like cool. I like how I look in cool outfits and I like how wearing a cool outfit makes me feel. And that's why I do it. So it's like that style changes and it's like, it's, that's what's so fun about it too is like you change as a person and your style changes and like you go through phases and, and it's just, you get, you get dressed every day. That's one way that there's something you do every day and there's a lot of options and some people just want to wear the same thing every day. Some people don't care what they wear every day and power to them. I like to wear cool shit. I like to wear shit that makes me feel cool. That helps me make my heart. That helps me be William Bolton. I feel that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think like that last thing you said, that's something that you do every day. I think to 
to take that opportunity to express yourself and to like become more of yourself through your clothing, I see Yeah. that I think is something that a lot of people can relate to because it does make you feel good. You know, like for me, it's not really clothes. For me, it's like when I get a haircut, I Yeah. I never feel better about the way that I look. Like no matter what, I could be wearing whatever, I feel like only a little different. For me, it's like when I get my haircut, I'm like, holy shit, like I feel great, man. I feel I great. I look good. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Let me let me get a date. Like, you know, like Yes, there you go. Yeah. So you told me, I don't know if you remember this, you told me probably a year ago about a time when uh one of your outfits got you into some trouble uh with with uh someone that you were in a relationship with at a Broadway show. So I was wondering if you you want to tell that story. Also, okay, so this is a great story. I actually wrote a song about it. It's a song called Still Love Me. And uh, it's, it's funny because, like I said, I've always kind of worn crazy things. And it's such a weird thing, an amazing thing to me. I'm, like, looking at my desktop, like, these pictures that I wore in the high fashion video. And, like, I love those outfits. And I'm just so glad that I'm an artist and this is my career. Like, again, like, I'm so grateful that I can be 25-year-old 25 25-year-old 25 man in America and, like, wear, like, a leather jacket with a lightning bolt on it and like it can be cool like i can just do that you know not everyone can do that in, like their officer and um that's fine but i'm just again i'm just taking a moment of gratitude for still having fashion as part of my life uh but not the, the styles you know you always look back at your old fashion as you look back at your old pictures you're always like oh man like maybe all it wasn't the greatest and um it's funny because i don't really feel that way about my music As much, I kind of, I think that the music, there's always truth there. And I think there's always truth in the outfits too. And I want but yeah, maybe I'd like just, it's style is like something that's refined. And I think that my style has gotten better over time and something, it's like something, yeah, that you kind of improve upon. So maybe like I was wearing all, I've seen myself wearing all types of mismatched stuff. And I was like, well, maybe it didn't coordinate the best back then, but the thought was there, you know, the expression and identity was still there. Maybe I just got better at it as I went on, you know? So, Yeah, exactly. um, but so the bro, okay. So still love me is a song about kind of like, uh, what it was inspired by was, yeah. Like I had a, um, a, a girl that I dated that was a Broadway singer and actress. And it was like the coolest thing ever. And we made a lot of great music together. She's on a lot of my older songs. Uh, we've actually been writing recently too, but so I would, I would, I was at Boston college. I would fly out to like, Florida or Arizona to go see her shows because uh, she was on tour for a Broadway musical and because I, I met her in New York and, and we started dating and it would be the coolest thing ever. Like I would roll up to like West Palm Beach for a weekend, like, you know, still didn't really have much, like I spent all the money on the flight, you know, but like I get to like roll up, she's got a hotel, like I pull up to the Broadway show, like I'm a, I'm a boyfriend of one of, a, one of the stars in the cast, like I get another <laughs> cast and like it was like a really, really fun experience for me. I, I came to appreciate Um, Broadway from a lot because of her and it's funny yeah it's funny because at Broadway shows like you know you it's usually formal wear like you wear a Sunday's best formal kind of wear and here I was showing up in like floral shirts and stuff and uh, I remember yeah basically my, my my girlfriend was just like hey like could you just like wear some normal clothes like you know you're coming to, like you're my boyfriend like you're supposed to look nice when you show up to the thing and and, and uh It was never like she would never got like so mad. At, so what she did is she just bought me some clothes. She said, "Hey, wear these to the next one." I was like, "All right, fine." But she, it was never like she, uh, malicious 
but it was just, you know, but it was, she was like, why can't you just be normal? Why can't you just like, you know, <laughs> you know, like, why is my boyfriend wearing these purple pants? Like, you know, like I get it, but still love me. The song was about asking someone to, to love you, even with your flaws. And, uh, I'll get in the face. I'll, I'll call them back. Yeah. So asking someone to love you, even with your flaws. And if I do this, if I wear crazy outfits, if I'm an artist, if I, if I don't have a lot of money right now, if I don't have this, like, would you still love me? You know, so it's kind of a cheeky song about like, the lyrics are really funny because I, I go through some cheeky scenarios, but that was where, yeah, that was what inspired it. So it's kind of a funny story there. That's great. Did you ever end up actually wearing the clothes that she got you? I did. I wore them that day to the next show and she loved it. There you go. So you had to, you had to do a little bit of a sacrifice. She's like, listen, you're going to be coming to cool places. You're going to be flying around with me. Yeah. It's going to be great, but I'm going to need you to ditch the purple pants for a couple of these. Nights. Yeah, I was like, you know, what? I was like, short thing, short thing. I didn't so, mind. Yeah. So in a lot of your music, you also talk about your love of Gucci. So, so how did that come about? And, and, yeah, I could see you getting excited. All right, yeah, we're gonna talk yeah. about the Gucci now. <laughs> hey, it's so funny. I've got um, I've uh, I'll, I'll turn this real quick. And on my mic stand, I keep like a couple Gucci tags. Uh, this is just like you know how people just like keep knickknacks and stuff. But so yeah, so I guess this kind of continues the style um, portion with fashion. And like I said, when I moved out to LA, I didn't really have uh, much money and. And I was doing my best with fashion. I actually couldn't get a great outfits. And I'm still, that's what I still do as I'll explain in a second. But basically as I continue to have a, some more success in LA and I was able to finally get an apartment and stop living in Airbnbs and I started to have more successful years. I, uh, I was able to like, I yeah, it's like, I finally wasn't like broke anymore. Like I finally wasn't like eating, you know, like rice and deli Turkey for dinner, you know, like, uh, and so I think, yeah, what, now that I, when I wasn't broke, I had like a little bit more money to start trying to ex explore in fashion and, and go into some designers and stuff. And I had like a big off-white phase that kind of got me out of the blazers. And then, yeah, like I, I kind of always knew about Gucci, obviously through songs and stuff, but it just, it just I don't know, really stuck out to me as a brand that like represented a lot of who I am. Like my mom has this word for like, it's like a very musy kind of, influence it's just like stuff that's out there like gucci is like more is more that's kind of like not their tagline but that's like a tagline you could say it and they're just like willing to go all out on pieces and willing to be creative and like you see like the ads for their shows and like people are wearing these ridiculously expensive clothes on like a playground or like at a farm or like in these they make these fake worlds that, that their models live in with these clothes and like that's what they're selling you you know they're not just selling you a piece of clothing but they're selling you like again, like me feeling cool. Like, so when I wore, when I really got into the Gucci and the designs that Alessandra Michelle does there, and it's the same thing. Those designs inspired me and made me feel cool. And I was being part of that. I felt, I feel like one of those models. I feel like a cooler artist because I'm like now wearing these new clothes that I really like. So yeah. So, so Gucci just happens to be one of my favorite designers. I, I really like St. Laurent as well. Uh, with, with the electric soul era, like there was a lot of Gucci and a, and a lot of St. Laurent and, and the more high fashion stuff, which by the way, I'm an expert at finding deals on stuff. Like I don't, I, I pay so little for the designer stuff that I get. It's cause I always get it like secondhand or, 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 um, or used. Right. Two secret sources. 
horses. So I'll just give you an example, like uh, one of the iconic um, outfits of Electric Soul, which is the Saint Laurent Star sweater that retails for like 1600 bucks. It's like ridiculous, right? I got it for like 127 bucks on eBay and it's like this piece that I wore in a music video and it's like iconic, you know, to me. Uh, I hope to my fans too. But yeah, so uh, I, what I'm saying is I'm really good at finding good deals on stuff so that I'm not like actually ever paying that much relative to what it really costs. Uh, but yeah, but like the, I, I finally have had the chance to explore high fashion and that's the title. That's the, that's the intro track to my album, high fashion, you know? So it's like the lyrics of that song are uh, the hook. It goes like, I wear my heart on my sleeve, high fashion. So it's like the whole time I was at BC wearing camo pants and now that it's Gucci and when, and now I'm getting another designer. So maybe it won't be Gucci at one point. I'll, I'll set some tears cause I, Oh, I'd like to think that <laughs> I love all the designs, love but, Gucci. but, but, um, but with that saying is all those times, like, at any of those phases in my life and as I continue it's me wearing my here's a here's a here's a really good I think quote for it is it's like me wearing these clothes is me being myself these patterns and these crazy colors and these crazy designs and outfits are just me showing my true colors like, this is what I look like inside this is what brain looks like it's just a it's just an embodiment of who I am you know it's like and that changes. First it was camo, then it was floral blazers, and now it was Gucci. So it's like, that's where my music sounds like. That's where my head space is at. Like, and I just find things that I align with um, as far as clothes. But yeah, so it's, it's wearing my heart on my sleeve, man. It's just being myself. And I don't want to, I hope everyone else is, I don't know who else is interested in fashion, but I, I think my fans are because they buy merch and, and stuff and you're asking about it. So you're clearly, there's an interest. So I don't, I, I just feel bad if I'm going on too long about like. No, dude, you're good. You're right. good. It's all interesting. I think, you know, what you wear does say so much about you. And yeah. when that becomes your brand and who you are as a person, I think that that's, that's the best way for people that listen to you and that want to follow your career can actually get to know you is like, like you're saying, like, this is where my head's at right now. Like, this is what I'm thinking about. This is what I want to be wearing. And, you know, however that changes, it's still going to be me, but it's just me expressing what's inside. So I love that. No, for sure, man. And I think um, to that point, it's kind of segue into one of your previous questions. It's like, I remember, um, like, if you take, <clears throat> excuse me, artists that I, I really look up to, like Lana Del Rey or Mayor Hawthorne back in the day, I, you know, I'm a product of the people that came before me. Like, these people were, had very unique fashion senses and, and um, like Mayor Hawthorne, he was wearing all these old school clothes and that kind of got me into that. And with Lana Del Rey, it's like, her music's so cinematic and her music videos are so dope that like that inspired me to make like music videos that I thought were really cool. And it's like, you know, I think that's an important part of, of, uh, of creating something is like acknowledging those who have come before you because like, it's all just an iteration. It's all just, it's all just a series of, you know, stepping stones of like using what's already out there and then putting your own spin on it. So yeah, I'm, 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 I'm not uh, afraid to say that I'm, I am a product of Lana Del Rey and Kanye West and Kid Cudi, Radiohead and all those people. You know, I, I, I'm, I wear that proudly. Like, you know, like that's why the posters are on my wall. You know, it's like I'm a product of all those people. And those, they, those are the people that inspired me to do what I do. Like, you know, so. I love it. Yeah. 
Well, hey, man, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. And uh, hopefully we can have you back in a little bit for a uh, follow-up. But yeah, really appreciate it. And thanks for coming <laughs> yeah. on. This is cool, man. I think it was, I, I enjoyed this because it was an opportunity to speak on some things that wasn't just my music. I feel like usually I go like really depth in the music. So maybe next podcast we'll, we'll talk about uh, the next album. There we go. Got a new album coming out. Please make sure that you follow William Bolton on Spotify or subscribe. Listen to his music. It's all fantastic, I promise you, Thank no matter you. what he says. <laughs> and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. Peace out. That is going to do it for this episode of Tots. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope that you really enjoyed this. William Bolton is one of my favorite artists of all times. So please go listen to his music again. Also, for us, welcome to Season 2. That was our first episode. Guys, we have some incredible stuff planned for you. I'm so excited to share it with you. If you're excited for Season 2 as well, and you've been enjoying these episodes, please, please, please take a look at our Patreon. Consider becoming a patron. You can become a patron for as little as $2 a month. That is less than some of you right now are paying for OnlyFans. I'm just saying. Okay, you can become a patron of the podcast. Help us to do what we want to do with this podcast. We just got brand new equipment so that we sound fantastic. We are getting huge guests. You guys are going to love season two. Please consider becoming a supporter of the podcast through Patreon. If you want to find that link, you can go to our Instagram at TotsCast. That is also our Facebook and our Twitter. Please also give us a follow on social media. For a lot of these guests that we have coming out, sometimes I'll do little teasers about the episodes or I'll release very exciting news about what we're working on. And if you want that inside look at how we make this happen, definitely go follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, mainly our Instagram, which is where we're going to be putting most of the stuff. Now, if you want to listen to more episodes and you're a new listener, you can find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, any streaming service that offers podcasts we are now on so you can check us out there we will usually fall under tots or tots podcast also we have two websites that you can enjoy our podcasts on www.totspodcast.com and www.marketwithben.com forward slash tots thank you guys so much for listening we are unbelievably excited to share season two with you and we've started now with this episode we've got some unbelievable stuff coming and I hope you'll be on this ride with us as we go through it. Have a fantastic week, and I'll see you next Friday.